0: Awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. How many are happy to be alive today? How many are thankful for Jesus today? All right. I thought we were ready to go. Does anybody need to do a quick lap or anything before we get started? Think about it. Okay. Awesome. Well, we're so glad that you... You know, the Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. He didn't say sometimes or when things are going good or when it's Thanksgiving. It says rejoice in the Lord always. And then he has to say it. And again, I say rejoice. And so that's part of the culture, really. When we get to heaven, guess what we're going to be doing a lot? Woo! So can we just let out a little woo this morning? I think we need to just... All right. That sounded good. It sounded all right. But what we want to do is because really you're positioning yourself and you're positioning your heart to receive from what God wants to do in, in your, my life. You know, you and I are much more in charge of receiving from the Lord than you think. Sometimes we're just thinking, okay, God, would you just please do something in my life? Do something, do something. And then we kind of just go, yeah, well, I'm just kind of waiting for something to happen. He's actually waiting on you and I. And so what we want to do is position ourselves in such a way where he can have full access to us. And part of that is a cheerful heart. Did anybody wake up grumpy this morning? Be honest. Did anybody wake up a little bit? Okay, a few of us did. So what you need to do is the Bible actually says you can encourage yourself in the Lord. Don't wait for somebody else to slap you up the head. you got to encourage yourself. Anybody remember in 1 Samuel chapter 30? King David was about to be killed by all of his mighty men because he came back from war and all of Zigleg had been just taken away. All the wives, all the children had been taken away. And David, all they did, they cried until they had no more tears left. That's a lot of water. And what happened? That men all of a sudden thought, we're going to stone this guy. We're going to take him out. But David, it says, he encouraged himself in the Lord. So sometimes you got to stir up the gift on the inside of you rather than waiting for somebody up. Oh, they didn't sing the song that I like this morning. That doesn't matter. You stir yourself up. How do you do that? By speaking to yourself. What do you do? You just say, thank you, Lord. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Lord, I thank you that I'm not going to hell. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness to me. And what happens? You're stirring it up on the inside, and the result is... Okay, I just didn't know if my mic was on this morning. So can we just take a quick moment here? Can we all just stand up? I just feel that we need to position ourselves in such a way where we need to stir it up a little bit. But nobody's singing or playing. You don't need it. King David was facing rocks. And what did he do? Lord, I thank you. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, I will bless his holy name. So can we just do that right now? Regardless of how we feel we got to talk to our soul. What is your soul? Your mind. It's your will. It's your emotions. So will, soul, emotions, what are you going to do? I'm going to bless God. I'm going to thank Him for all that He's done in my life. Can we just take the 30 seconds? Lord, we thank you. Bless the Lord and all that is within me. I will bless Him. I will thank Him. And forget not all of His benefits. Lord, you've forgiven every single sin I've ever committed. You've healed every single disease from the inside and out. You've restored my soul. Oh, Lord, I thank you. You crowned me with love and tender mercy. My youth is renewed like the eagles. So, Lord, I thank you for your goodness today. I thank you that I'm receiving from your word what well, a word in my season today. Holy Spirit, thank you that you live strong on the inside of me. And greater is he that is in me than any demon that is in this world. Father, I thank you for it, that the church is not going backwards, but the church is advancing. We're taking bold strides ahead because our God is for us. So tell me, who can be against us? So soul, come on, bless God. Soul, tell about how good he is, what he's done in your life, and give him all the praise. In Jesus' name, Woo! You may be seated. Thank you. Sometimes you just got to do it. Rather than, oh, you know, kind of just going through routine, kind of doing my church thing. This is church. As we get excited about that. You can have church. Anybody have church before you came to church this morning? Yeah, you got to prime the pump a little bit. All right. Everybody got their Bibles with you? All right, we are going to continue talking about Grace and the purpose of grace, obviously we know, we would say grace is God's unmerited favor and everything that God has done for us through Jesus Christ, and we go, yeah, that's true. But did you know grace doesn't just stop there? Grace now has taken the responsibility to train you and I to live a godly life and to live in this day and age. Grace now is training us to be the sons and daughters that he's called us to be. So my message, what we're going to talk about today is that grace is training us in sonship. And when I say sonship, that also means female sons as well. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Sons and daughters. He's developing and growing us up. So again, for spiritual growth, you cannot do enough religious duty to grow spiritually. There isn't enough just prayers that you could pray. There's not just enough good deeds that you could do. Spiritual growth is the result, and it can only come through grace. Now look at this in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And verse 8 in the Message Bible, I love the way it says it, he says, exercise daily in God, no spiritual flabbiness, please. Come on, say it with me, no spiritual flabbiness, please. (laughs) So we're going to talk about getting rid of some spiritual flabbiness, right? Everybody know what flabbiness is? It's just excess, right? It's stuff that shouldn't be there. And we're going to discuss a little bit about that. But he goes out, workouts in the gymnasium, they're useful, correct? Correct. But a disciplined life in God is far more so. Why? Because it makes you fit both today and forever. So what we want to do is develop spiritually. I mean, know that's possible. Again, I think one thing that's crucial for us as a church to remember is that you are not a body. This thing that you're sitting in, this nice cute houses that I'm looking at this morning, this is not you. This is the house that you live in. Because when you leave, when you die, if the Lord tarries his coming and all of a sudden you go to the grave, guess what? It's not like you just don't cease to exist anymore. You, like, like a foot coming out of the shoe, you leave your body. That body goes into the ground. But you are on your way to heaven if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So you will always exist. But now for you and I, you're not just, again, just this body, nor are you a soul. You're not just this mind. You have a mind. You have emotions, but that's not who you are. Who are you? I am a spirit being. So it's crucial for us that we develop ourselves spiritually because, again, spiritually, when you develop and grow, it's the foundation for your soul And the foundation for your physical body—they're all intact. It's not like I'm a spirit. My spiritual life is separate from my soul life and my physical life. Impossible. You are one being. You are a spirit. God gave you a soul to think, and He gave you a house to live in. While you're on this earth, they're all vitally connected. So again, we can't. We spent millions and billions of dollars to try to upkeep the exterior. You work this thing out, you paint it, you do things to it to make it work while you're out here. And at the same time, we've developed so much in the soul realm where, I mean, sometimes you know Christians are almost too stuck in the soul. They develop the soul, they talk about the soul, they talk about the soul. And yes, it's important that we have a sound mind, but not at the expense of forgetting that you are a spirit being. Spiritually, this is who I am. So say it, I'm a spirit being. That's who we are. That's who you are. So don't forget that when you wake up in the morning, go, oh, I don't really feel, oh, well, wait a minute, your body may not do, but your spirit is ready to go. Amen. So now what we're doing is learning and we're training ourselves in this so that we can be strong men and women in these last days. Yeah, right. All right. So now how do I go about losing spiritual flabbiness? Let's look here in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Again, the apostle Peter really clearly lays out and gives us the tool for how spiritual growth Takes place. So again, if you had, you know, a little bit of flabbiness, say on your arms or something like that, what would you do? You go to the gym and you just start working out. This is my gym workout. I just—it's <laughs> a good workout. You should try it. And whatever level you may be at, some can really lift. Some just use soup cans, right, Jamie? Whatever it is. <laughs> hey, that girl is tone, man. I won't mess with her. I'm not saying that's. She's she's jacked. I mean, I tell you, that girl right? Do you want to come flex for us real quick or you're good? Okay. (laughs) But whatever it is, everybody's at different levels, but you are working this out. So spiritually speaking, we're going to the word of God and we're finding out what the word of God has to say. So he says here, but continue to grow and increase in what? In God's grace. So how am I going to develop? How am I going to get rid of spiritual flabbiness? Is by increasing and growing in my knowledge of God's grace and this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This is how spiritual growth is going to take place. So don't try to make up your own self-effort. I'm going to do this in order to spiritually grow. No, no. It comes one way. How does it come again? Through increasing. Other translations say in my knowledge of the grace of God. And into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. So you cannot take spiritual growth apart from a working, up-to-date, living, fresh relationship with Jesus Christ today. That's how it happens, how it develops. People say, oh, I had a good time with God. You know, back in the 60s, man, things are really happening with the Lord. That's not good. That's like saying the last time I hit the gym, naturally speaking, oh, it was in the 60s, man. It was real good. It, it ain't real showing now. There's plenty of flab going on. So same wise, spiritually speaking, we worked out in the 60s or the 70s or even three weeks ago. Well, you know that what happens, naturally speaking, when you don't work out in three weeks and you go back to the gym. How does the next day feel? Oh, oh man. So for you and I, it is a constant up-to-date relationship that I'm touching base going, Lord, are we up-to-date? I mean, how sad would that be? I have to go up to Jamie. No, I haven't, hey, I haven't talked to you in a little while. Are we up to date on some things? Man, I need to be current with this girl. I need to know what's going on with her. She needs to be going on, with, going on with me. So it's the same way with our relationship with the Father. It needs to be up to date. So again, as we said, spiritual growth is the result of a relationship with Jesus. So how does spiritual growth come? Spiritual growth is aligning my life my believing, my thinking, and speaking to what the finished works of Jesus has accomplished. Spiritual growth is allowing grace to set the realities and to set the truth in my life, regardless of how I feel, regardless of what culture says, regardless of what denominations say, regardless of what the family upbringing I may be from. Grace is setting the boundaries for my life. All right, thank you, Pastor Marlene. Anybody else in the house? Okay, so whatever grace says is, period. So, again, I want to just remind us, again, the work of the New Testament believer. What is our role as we are now Christians in the New Testament? John 6:29. Again, real quickly for us just to lay this foundation. Jesus answered as, after all these people. I mean, Jesus fed the 5,000. They came looking for him. Jesus, where, where, where are you? We're looking for you. And he said, you didn't come to me just, you know, to understand more of the kingdom. You came because I fed you with a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. And they said, well, hey, we want to do the work of God. What does God require? What does God want of us to do? Jesus answered. He said, this is the work of God. What is it? That you believe. Come on, say it with me. That you believe. That I believe. What's the work of the Christian church? Believe. It's a what? In the one in whom he has sent. So my call, the work that I'm working out in to get rid of spiritual flabbiness is learning to believe in all that Jesus has done on my behalf. That's the work. And you're going to see this in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. Again, I, I went over this a little while ago, but it's crucial that we get this. And just so we keep renewing our minds to this, God said this, again, talking about the nation of Israel. And they were going to go into the promised land, but they didn't get in because they disobeyed. Or we're going to find here they had unbelief. God swore an oath that they, the Israelites, would never enter into his calming place of rest, all because they disobeyed him. So again, in the Old Testament, what was obedience limited to? What you did. It was an if-you system. If you do, God will. If you don't, God won't. But now coming into the New Testament, look at this in verse 19. It is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance. Say with me, inheritance. Do you have an inheritance from God? Yes. First of all, it's good that we know it, but that we also access it. How do I access the inheritance? Well, they didn't get it because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. So God interchanged disobedience with unbelief. Do you see that? So now in the New Testament, the first place that God is looking for in obedience is not in what you do, but it's in what you believe. So what is Christian's obedience in this day? is to believe in the finished works of Jesus. Yeah, I don't know if I really believe that. That's not what I heard in the church that I grew up in. That doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. That's called disobedience. Well, no, that's just the way the cult. No, no, no. We have to go with what God said. Unbelief, according to him is disobedience so if you switch that around belief would be obedience and so this is what jesus is looking for to cooperate with him and to work with him is an obedient church see again sometimes we just kind of go even what joella was just ministering this morning that there's people that are dealing and going with all of these things yeah that may be how do i experience the inheritance of peace and of joy and deliverance from depression because that ought not belong to you it's not just, oh God, can you just get rid of this stuff for me? No, it's I have to believe right. If my believing is off, pray all you want. You'll be stuck here in the same year. This is all spiritual growth. Getting rid of spiritual flabbiness means that I'm now aligning my thinking and my believing to go with his word and not basing my believing and thinking on how I feel. Spiritual growth. Okay, now let's move on here. So again, whatever grace says is. Can we change it? No. So what is our truth? The word of God. Grace is true. Let me just give you a couple of quick examples. Grace says this, 1 Peter 2, 24, familiar passage of scripture. He says, he personally, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Grace says you are healed. Our response is, yeah, but Lord, I've just not really, but have you seen this? I don't feel it at all. That's irrelevant. My inheritance is not based on how I feel. It's based on what I believe. Do I believe this? Yes, well, there still may be pain. There still may be some things that aren't working properly. But this is what grace says. So I'm laying hold on that. I'm believing it, Lord. I'm inclining my ear. I'm imprinting it in my heart. I'm speaking it over myself. I'm speaking it into my heart. Not to make it come into existence so that it is true. I'm speaking it because it is true. And my body will eventually line up with it. This is what grace said. Faith's response is, thank you. Now, so that we know that, we get excited about that, go, you, 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 you. But grace also said this, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Now again, don't think of religious ears with this. Grace speaking. Grace will also say, such sins have no place among God's people. Verse 5, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Now notice how everybody got excited and cheered on that when we spoke that. But the difference now between Old and New Testament is this. The New Testament, grace has taken the responsibility to train you, to coach you on how to do that, but also, more importantly, give you the desire to want to do that. That's the good news, is that you're not on your own. This is not a DIY gospel. Do-it-yourself gospel. And that's what the Old Testament was all about. They were had, they had all these laws and regulations. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. But they didn't have grace to teach them, to call them out of it. So what was the result? They did their best in willpower. They did their best not to do it. But guess what? They did it. And what was, what happened? Well, I mean, thank God he gave us the... The the system of, you know, killing a bull or a goat and, you know, that blood would cover over their sins. But a lot of times you look in the law, a lot of people died in the law. Why? For a lot of this type of stuff. People were just dying constantly because of what? Because of this. So in the Old Testament, grace wasn't there to help not only stop you from doing it, but also it was in your natural flesh. It was your nature to do these things. So what grace does, it takes the old want to, and he gives you a new want to. See, when you take grace away from Jesus, again, that's where you have a lot of this problem, and you just even have just a religious mindset on these things, don't do this, and don't do that, and don't do this. Well, what are you stuck in? You're stuck in trying to do it in your own effort. When grace now teaches you these things, he now takes the responsibility for equipping you to say no. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Okay. Now, again, as a New Testament believer, I'm living, this is crucial for us, I'm living a lifestyle of repentance. Now, the definition that I want to use of the word repentance isn't, oh, God, I'm so sorry, I messed up again. Oh, God, I'm so sorry, I messed up again. Oh, God, I keep doing this. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, God. Oh, God. And you're constantly crying. You're angry. You're frustrated. I just go to make it. What we're talking about repentance in here is from this place of mind renewal. While we're even doing this, how much repentance is taking place right now? Lots. Because what is repentance? It's changing the way that I think. Oh, Lord, I see this. Okay, yeah, I see that. Yeah, Lord, I'm going to change that. Help me to get me the want to, to do this. That's where the mind renewal comes in. I mean, you work that with even with your kids. How many times have your kids come up to you and say, Oh, sorry, I, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And they just kind of say, Oh, I'm just sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Thank you, but do you understand the heartbeat and the culture of why our family does this the way that we do this? Well, no, I don't really care, but I'm just sorry what I did. See, a lot of times Christians are just sorry that they actually got caught in what they did. What God wants you and I to do is actually pick it up on the inside where we actually get his heartbeat as to why. Not just stop it. It's why. And that's what repentance takes place. You know, the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe, it talks about godly sorrow. Godly sorrow leads to true heart repentance. Worldly sorrow is what you see with Judas. He had remorse. He felt bad about what he did, but he still hung himself. So he felt bad, but that didn't change anything. It didn't do anything. Peter denied Jesus at the same time, but what kept him is he had this godly sorrow Lord. I, I don't want to hurt your heart. This is a difference between a slave and a friend of God. Slaves, they don't want to disobey what He asked them to do. A friend doesn't want to hurt his heart. See, there's a total different mindset. I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt our relationship. Rather than, oh, I don't want to do it because I don't want to get in trouble or I just I don't want to lose my place, I don't want to lose my standing, I, don't want, I just don't want to make, get messed up. There's totally different motives that come from this. Friends just to go, Lord, I don't want to hurt your heart. Show me what makes you happy. Show me what pleases you. Even what Julian was reading regarding the offering. God loves. Listen, think about that. It's, Julian read it, but sometimes we can kind of go, oh yeah, that's, that's great, I've read that scripture. No, no, no. He loves it. When he has a prompt to do it, a cheerful giver. What does that mean? They're excited about the opportunity. Lord, I get to do this with you. That pleases him. So that changed my mindset and my heart on giving. So repentance came in just going, oh yeah, here, whatever. Here's, here's, here's what I got to do. From going, that wasn't pleasing to you? <gasps> Lord, I, I do not want that in my life. You see, I see in your word, you like a happy joyous prompt to do it let's do it and i can get psyched about giving all right so now what is grace doing grace grows us up into a sonship mentality and while it's growing us up into a sonship mentality grace is also moving us away from a slave mentality this is the transition. How do I know that I'm growing up and losing spiritual flabbiness? I'm thinking like a son. Yeah. This is what we're called to be. You actually read it, Romans chapter 8, that what is this whole world waiting for? The manifestations of the sons of God. What are we? That we carry out who he is and we carry out his heart. So now let's go here in Galatians chapter 4. Everybody doing okay with this making sense? Okay. Now... I want to read this to us again because this is going to show us the contrast between grace and law. And I know we've hit some of these things before, but I feel that we really need to get this established in our hearts again because how easy it is for us to get sliding over into the law or into a performance-based mindset, which, again, we're trying to do things in order to grow, spiritually speaking. Can't happen. So are we okay with this? We're still going? So Galatians chapter 4, and I, again, I'm just using this paraphrase called the Mirror Bible. I just liked the way the mirror was in these seven verses. He says, infant heirs. Can you say that with me? Infant, infant heirs. heirs. Infant heirs. And right here, this is the, where a lot of times the problem is, is God's people staying in infancy. Why is it such a problem? Infant heirs have no more say than a slave, even though they own everything. They have it all, but they are no... Basically, you could just kind of look at an heir and a slave. There's no difference, even though one of them owns it all, because of the way that they think. That's quite something, isn't it? Verse 2. He would remain under domestic supervision and house rules until the date fixed by his father for his official graduation service, and the, really the status of sonship. So there was an age even in Jewish culture that the son would now be of manhood, and he would now partake of the inheritance the father had for him. Well, the same thing is true for you and I. Let's look at verse 3. This is exactly how it was with you, with me. We were kidnapped, as it were, into infancy, and confined to the state through the law, or in other words, you could say it like this. We were stuck with an inferior mindset of slave because of the fall. The, listen, the fall, it, I mean, obviously, all of the sin, all of that is horrible. But on top of that, it capped the way you think. You were stuck right here. You were stuck at this infant stage. You were basically forced there. You were kidnapped, and you were brought into, you can't think higher than this. Okay? Verse 4. But, everybody say, But. Aren't you thankful for this, bud? But then the day dawned, the most complete culmination of time, the sun arrived. Come on, say it with me. The sun arrived. This is the Jesus that we worship. This is the Jesus we get excited about. He arrived, commissioned by the Father. His legal passport to the planet was his mother's womb. Mary, in a human body exactly like ours, he lived his life subject to the same scrutiny of the law. Verse 5, his mandate was to rescue the human race from the regime of the law. See, sometimes if you just kind of read that, go, well, that's nothing really special to that. When you understand what the law was and how capped you were in it. Everything God had, the entire planet, the word of God even tells us that the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. He had given all of this to his men, Adam and Eve. It belonged to them. They lost it. And at the same time, because of the darkness that was in man's mind, because of the fall, they were now capped by this law. But now he goes on, this mandate, Jesus' mandate was to rescue you and I from the regime of the law of performance. And he announced the revelation What was his message all about? True sonship in God. Say with me, true sonship in God. This was the message of Jesus. This is what he did constantly. So when people say, repent, repent for the kingdom of God is near. People kind of just take that with a religious mindset going, yeah, stop sitting, stop being bad, stop doing this because Jesus did that. I hear you. There's some truth to that. But the higher thought in that is, Jesus came to get you out of this stuck mindset. Verse 6. Then to seal our sonship, God has commissioned the spirit of sonship to resonate the Abba echo in our hearts. And now in our innermost being, we recognize him as the true and very dear father. Verse 7. Can you see, actually, hold on, before I go into this, sonship and slavery are total opposites. One right here, slavery leads forcefully through fear, while sonship responds fondly to an Abba. Can you see that? Oh, I don't want to do this. If I do anything bad, God's going to hurt. So it's forcing you now to stop doing bad things because you don't want to get hurt. We're now, what sonship has done, I'm now responding to a wonderful dad that I call Abba. He's my dad. Polar opposites. So he goes on in verse 7. Can you see how foolish it would be for a son? Say with me. A son. A son. One purchased by blood of Jesus. One who's been brought into the kingdom of God's dear son. How foolish would it be for a son to continue to live his life with a slave mentality? Why? They're polar opposites. You don't belong in that slave market anymore. You're not part of it. And even your mindset, it has to constantly be renewed to get out of this thing. You live forever how long you lived in the world, or even, hey, you may have been in church for a lot of time. You may be in a religious church all these years, and it kept you in this slave market. So don't just think like, pow, now I'm out of it. Now everything's hunky-dory and everything's all grand and good. It takes a process. It's a transition to change the way that I think. And that's okay. That's totally fine. As long as you are taking the time to change the way you think. Because what we just saw earlier, infant heirs, is where the problem in Christianity is. Can I go a little further into that? I mean, infants are believers in Jesus, but they live like a slave because they have a performance mindset. So the result is they do not grow spiritually because they think like slaves. Now, let me just finish reading this and I'm going to touch on that a little bit more. Your sonship qualifies you. Your sonship, how did you become a son or a daughter of the Most High God? By believing. This is the work that God gave that he wants the people to do. is to believe in the son that he sent. So your sonship qualifies you. How did I receive sonship? Through believing in Jesus, what he did on the cross, and that God raised him up on the third day. Correct? So that means you become now a son or a daughter. And it says your sonship qualifies you to immediately participate in all the wealth of God's inheritance, which is yours because of Christ. How long? How long did it take, the transition take, when you left the slave market and you are now part of God's dear son? How long did it take for you to now become an heir or someone who could receive all the blessings? Immediately. Immediately. How quick is that? The moment. The moment somebody accepts Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, they have the exact amount of uh, um, inheritance that you have because it's all based on what Jesus did. Immediately they have it all. The peace of God, the joy of God, the deliverance, the freedom, the total perseverance. Everything that's concerning this life has been made available through the grace of God. Everything you need, it's all there. The healing is there. The blessing of God is all there. Well, how come I'm not seeing it in my life? Because you think like a slave. Oh, no, that that can't be, that's not really nice. No, I know because religion likes to keep you bound in there. Religion likes to keep you thinking that you have to do something in order for God to do something to you. Stop it. It's not gospel. It's not God. And Paul actually said in Galatians, anyone who preaches a different gospel, let him be accursed. Why is this so true? Because there are many prophets, false prophets, pastors, teachers. There's many fake ones out there. How do I know it's true? It lines up with scripture. If it doesn't line up with the book, throw it out. We have to be rooted and grounded somewhere. And where do I get rooted and grounded? In this word. You actually find in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, the apostle Paul, he actually gave over his the pastors that he was working as. He said, I commend you to God, but not just God. To the word of his grace. Why? Because that keeps you steady. A lot of times people say, Oh, I'm I'm just connected to God. Yeah, but if you're not based in the word, you're not connected to God. You're just weird. Anybody ever made a weird Christian before? I'm raising my head. I have met them, and they had words for me left, right, and center. But how do I know it was off? Because it doesn't line up with the word. So God love you, but you're off. That's not very nice. I prayed real hard for that. Yeah, but it doesn't. Have you read John three sixteen? That didn't line up with anything that you just said. So we have to govern everything we hear by the book. Because, again, in these last days... It says, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, again, the Apostle Paul says that Satan, he doesn't once in a while appear. It says he appears as an angel of light. So what does he show up? He shows up as the real deal. He shows up as, I have it all together. I'm basically God. I'm one of the angels that he had sent. And it looks just like him. He can even quote scripture. So how do I know I'm not being tricked? I have to know how to think like a son. How do I know it? Grace is teaching me. Grace is ingraining me. Grace will always make me go to the word. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, <clears throat> this word infant in Galatians chapter four, verse one, he said, infant heirs, again, have no more say than a slave, even though they own everything. This word infant or other translations say young children is this Greek word, um, nepeos. And this word Let's listen to what it actually expounds on. This is what an, a, uh, an infant or a young child is. Simple-minded, not able to speak, and immature. Those are the three things that it defines as what an heir or an infant heir is. So what is somebody who is an infant heir? They are simple-minded. They are not able to speak properly because they are immature. Immature. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want you to just turn in your Bibles here with me for a moment. I have verse 1, but I want to read verses 2 and 3 to you as well. Because the Apostle Paul very clearly lays out, and we find this word nipaeos again, right in this verse. And I want you to see what the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit really through Paul, said what an infant was spiritually speaking. Are you ready? He says, brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. Why? For you are still dominated by the, wow, by the what? The mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature, what are they? Infants, and that word infants is that, nepios, in Christ. Now let me just read verses 2 and 3. You got it with you there now? You're good? It's on the screen. Oh, thank you. You guys are so good down there. Thank you, thank you. He said, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with solid food or more advanced teachings. Why? Because you weren't ready for it. See, that's one thing that's crucial for us, even as as we're growing up in the Lord. Sometimes you're ready just to talk to your family members. Maybe you're ready to talk to a friend and just start giving everything that you got. They may not be able to hear what you're saying. Why? It's not because you're wrong and you're bad and it's not scripture. They're babies, you got to give them some milk. So rather you come with this massive steak and start slapping them with the steak, they actually need a bottle of milk. And meanwhile you're just whoopsh this and whoopsh that and a so ba 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 whoopsh whoopsh whoopsh. And meanwhile they're like, get away from me! I want nothing to do with you. And you think, oh the Lord, i I must be getting persecuted because I'm standing for the Lord. Or you got to learn when people need milk. There's a time for milk and there's a time for meat. <laughs> Yay. All right. And then there's a time for turkey, like today and tomorrow. And basically every other weekend. <laughs> okay. Because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food. Why? Listen to what, what's happening. Listen, this great apostle of God, would you not say, I mean, did, did God use the apostle Paul in mighty ways? Do you think he was spiritually mature enough and to understand where these people were and can dictate, hey, could they handle more? Do they need less? Do you think he was knowledgeable all this? Yes. So this great apostle that we read the teachings of today, he actually said, I can't actually give you what I have on the inside of me because you're not ready for it. I would be so mad. If I was in the, and oh, I want that stuff. Now, why couldn't he give it all them? He said, because you're being dictated by the mindset of the flesh. And he goes to lay out what is the mindset of the flesh. For you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Oh, that shows babyhood Christianity. Are you jealous? Do you compare yourself with others? We live in a world of comparison. Oh, you only got four likes? I got six. Wow. Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? Christians don't even have an argument anymore. We get mad at somebody and all of a sudden, bam, we're done. We cancel, shut it all out. We want nothing to do with them. Meanwhile, we don't even know how to have a proper discussion. If there's offense, and that's why the enemy's trick is offense. The enemy's trick is to have this, oh, he said, she said argument. Stop all that. Gossip, none of that in there. That's absolutely from hell. The gossip, the slander. And did you hear, oh, really? Well, I heard that. Ah, You know what that's just showing? Here. And we're going, oh, Lord, would you just send revival? And he goes, I'm trying to revive you. Stop talking about your brother. I me mean, will oh God, just send it. Lord, just do something miraculous in me. Go ahead and do it. He says, Okay, stop talking about your sister. Ah, God, that's so petty. No, that's big boy stuff. Oh, okay. I'm dancing for you. These are not skin, these are not very forgiving genes. Anyway, do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your life centered on yourself and dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers so you think like them you look just like them there's no difference and that's what's sad a lot of times the name of jesus gets you know run through the mud because christians can't patch things up properly anyway that's for another time but again problems or i should say frustration frustrated christianity is the result of believers staying infants They have to make this exchange of slavehood to sonship. Now also this, slave I want you to also think of this. Let's think a little bit higher here again. It's, yeah, you're thinking absolutely, but slave thinking cannot actually, or let me say it like this, slave thinking actually costs the kingdom of God from advancing on this earth. If we could maybe have a little bit more kingdom mindset, me thinking like this, Me wanting to hold on to what I feel and what I think and who did this and he did. Holding on to that actually stops the kingdom from advancing through you. I don't know about you, but I don't want that. So I've been asking the Lord, Lord, if I have any lenses of slave mentality on where I have anger or whatever this is, dissension, lift it off me. I do not want it in my life. Get it off me. Show me by your grace and teach me how to do life properly. Give me the new want to's. And he'll do that by his grace. We still doing okay? All right. Now, on the other hand, in verse 5, that word sons that you see, that we now talking about heir and infant heir, and then he talks about how now the spirit of sonship, Jesus, came to relieve and to get you out of this slave mentality, this slave regime. Now, this word son is the word heos, and this word means to be mature. It means to be grown and fully developed. Now, look at this in Romans eight fourteen. He says this, the mature, say it with me, mature. Mature. Anybody ever hear that before? That was a comment. You're so mature. Thank you. I go to bed at 730. Is that what you mean? Like I have no idea. (laughs) The mature children of God are those who are moved by what? The impulses of the spirit. I'm not moved by the impulses of how I feel. I'm not moved by the impulses of how nasty that word came to me. I can't be moved by that. I'm not moved by a 50 cent raise over here. I'm not moved by money. I'm not moved by opportunity. I am now moved only by the impulses that the spirit of God gives me. That's what we're fully growing into. It's easy to go amen on that. But how does that actually look? Grace is training us. And it's all good. We ha- we, we're getting trained. Now, grace dominated thinking in sons and daughters. They spread the kingdom everywhere they go because they carry the heartbeat of heaven. They understand the impulses. They understand what heaven wants to do. And they're not just out there just yelling at everybody, turn or burn, turn or burn, turn or burn. They are aware of, Holy Spirit, how can I reach this individual right in front of me right now? Yeah. What does that look like? And the impulses, that's what we're checking up on the inside. Sometimes, you know what? I've had this happen to me before. You don't need to say anything right now. Huh? Didn't you say, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody? Yeah. But you also have to be sensitive where people are at. Sometimes they just shut up right now. Yep, okay. Have a great day. And that happens. There's been times I've seen different people in different places and then they actually come up here and I go, hey, remember me? We met there. And all of a sudden, you're a pastor? And that, I've had that happen a few times. And what a great opportunity to go, this is what Jesus has done in my life. It's amazing. So what we're learning is to be led by him. Now, continuing on here, Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 through 31. Now he says this, Tell me, you who want to live under the law or live with the slave mentality, do you know what the law actually says? Because chances are, (laughs) we don't. We know the Big Ten, right? Kind of, even. There's 603 laws after that. There's a lot of them. So do we actually know what it all says? No, no, no. So verse 22. The scriptures say that Abraham... Had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. Okay, the son of the slave wife was born. Now, this this is what we're gonna. I, I'm believing the Lord. We get into this next week. The slave, the son of the slave wife, was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. See, here's the thing that grace teaches you: God promises you. He's the one that carries out the promise. I know what I'm guilty of and what I've been stuck in doing. God gives the promise and I try to make it work in my life. This is what Abraham did. Abraham, you're going to have a son. Great. Sarah said, go sleep with my my maid. Oh, Okay, why? Because you're supposed to have a son. He's trying to make the promise of God work. Here it is. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment to his promise. That's where we want to get to. Verse 24. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law. What did it do to them? It enslaved them. Again, it capped them to thinking like a slave. So not only is it do's and don'ts, it's also, man, I can't think any higher than this. There's the cap on my head. Verse 25. And now Jerusalem... Natural Jerusalem in Israel is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia. Why? Because she and her children live in slavery to the law. Verse 26 But the other woman, Sarah, can we get a whoop whoop for (laughs) Sarah? If your name is Sarah, that was for you. Represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman, and she is your mom. So who's your mom? We know who our dad is. We have the heavenly father. Who's your mom from a spiritual sense? We came from the promise. Verse 27, as Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth, break into a joyful shout. You you who have never been in labor for the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. Verse 28, and you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. Now, You and I have to make this transition coming out of Mount Zion or sorry, Mount uh, Sinai, slave mentality to now coming over into this place called Zion, where we're now thinking like free people, children of God who are free from the elements of the law. Stuck in law, you have God is stuck as well. He wants you to start thinking like his son, Jesus. Jesus operated powerfully, did he not, on this earth for the years that he was here. Man, we look and go, that's amazing. You know why he could do all those things? He thought like a son. And his whole purpose was to reveal sonship to you and I. Finishing off here, verse 30 or 29, is that where we are? Yeah, 29. Now, here's the warning with this. When you start transitioning, thinking like a slave into sonship, there's a warning attached to this. Okay, are you ready for the warning? Here it is. But you are now being persecuted by those who want to keep the law. Just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the children born by the power of the Spirit. But what did the scripture say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son. For the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the woman, the free woman's son. So, dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. What is the warning sign? Is that when you start leaving slave ship, coming into sonship, the Ishmaels aren't going to like it. They want to keep you bound to the way they think. They want to keep you bound to their structure of religion that works for them but meanwhile they're miserable they're so frustrated and angry and they'll start talking to you you don't have to all of a sudden say ishmael please leave me alone they will find you and they will come after you and say that you ought to be doing something different if you want god to heal you you better and they will list it all off there what does the word of god tell us to do kick the slave woman and her son out you can't be nice with that stop right there Maybe it's to a, maybe somebody that's right. I love you, appreciate you, but I am not going to be going down that, your, your cycle of doom. Yeah. Maybe it's even in your own brain. All of a sudden you go, man, God, I, what do I have to do to get healed? Stop. Right. The slave woman just showed up in your thinking. And it's so, well, I didn't even recognize that. That's what we have to be in tune. How is that thinking going? Lord, what, oh man, I, I better to pay my tithes to get blessed. Stop. There's nowhere in the Bible that all of a sudden, you don't pay your tithes, now you're cursed. No, that's not how this is. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing because Jesus gave it to you. You don't have to work for anything. So you have to be so on top and you come after anything that this Ishmael may pop up. Ishmael pop out, slap. Ishmael says it, slap. And it's not that you're just rude and a jerk about it. It's just going. Thank you. You keep that. I'm gonna just enjoy my freedom over here. Amen. Now look at this. <laughs> um, those who want. <laughs> where? Where? When did Ishmael attack Isaac? And I, let's just end it here. But in uh, Galatians or Genesis chapter 21, verse 8 and 10, it says, "When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, say being weaned, Amen. he's being weaned. Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. Right? Now, this is a big deal to Abraham." But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar. What were they doing? Making fun of her son Isaac. Now, any we got some we got some mamas in the house. When you see somebody going after or making fun of your kids, what comes out? It's whoa, man! I, I'll tell you, man! I, and I love that. That's God given. Look at this in verse 10. So what did Sarah do? She turned to Abraham and she politely asked. She demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. You go, that's not really Christian. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. You are not supposed to play nice with religion ever. Religion sucks. Say it with me. Religion sucks. What are we here to do? We're here to kick out religion. Absolutely. Because religion has kept people bound in bondage. It has kept them from experiencing all the blessings and the goodness of God. It has robbed people of their joy. It has even robbed people from even just enjoying their relationship with God. Oh, I better do this. Stop it. Who told you yet you to do that? Oh, you know, God, you know, that's what he's just expecting. Who said What I read in my Bible, Matthew chapter 11, it says that Jesus said this, that I'm easy to please. Meanwhile, religion will yell, it's impossible to please this God that we serve. You got to pray at least 14 hours a day to see any kind of miracle happen in your family. No, there's been times I just said, Lord, I need help. And help was right there. What kind of father do we think he is? Some distant, angry God who's ready to, oh, you guys, you have to understand the nature of our father. It's this. Come on in. And even his throne room is called the throne of grace. He's interested in helping you. He's interested in being with you. He's interested in everything that concerns your life. He cares about your soccer career, Silas. He cares about it. He cares about every little detail of your life. And you kind of think, always oh, so far distant in there. He cares, he cares, he cares. And even Jamie, I know she was giving an, uh, an, an example in her offering message a few weeks ago. But we had that even for our son. We were just, you know, regarding his soccer and just the expense and all those different things of it. And we Lord, Lord, this is what we felt. This is right from you. He took care of getting him the things that he needed. That's the God that I want to serve. He cares about my son, his soccer career. Like, really? Yes. So God's going to care about, you know, like, you know, some grocery thing. Yes. Does he care about getting you the right people in your corner? absolutely yes so what's my part? I have to commit to him leaving slavehood to come into sonship because if I'm going to stay living in slavehood with this cap on my head it's not that he doesn't want to bless he can't because your mindset is too stuck on you so finishing off she says he is not going to share the inheritance Man, that sounds powerful right there Religion is not going to share the inheritance with the free. Isaac, I won't have it. So this is a new phrase I'm adopting. Even my own prayer time with the Lord, all of a sudden a religious thought comes. I won't have it. Come on, some of you got to say this. I won't have it. The same stuff that maybe you've been dealing with for years. Oh, God needs you cleaned up before he'll deliver you from pornography. I won't have it. I'm free when? Now. And the grace of God now elevates you to a higher level of sonship thinking that you could never have gotten on your own. I don't know about you, but I've been asking, Lord, give me insight. I want to see from a higher level. Show me, show me. Well, he's got to trust you with this little stuff, absolutely. But it's gone, Lord, I want to see things clearly. I want to see truth for what it is. And a lot of that is he's going to really start revealing who you are in him. Because apart from him, you and I, we really do suck. But in him, in him, we look in mighty good. Last verse, and then Jamie, why don't you come up, sweetheart? Galatians 5.1, he says this. So let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free. From what? Remember, Galatians chapter 4. This follows Galatians 4, right? What has he set me free from? what the law tried to keep me under. It has, it has imprisoned me. It has held me captive where now I'm stuck in this mindset. Christ has set us free and broken this lid off of me, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back to the bondage of our past. I am not going back there. I will not, I will not, I will not. And I have my guard up for every time a thought may come or whenever I hear it. It's not that I'm rude and I'm just this, now this, you know, police officer of wrong sayings. What I'm saying is I'm really identifying the motives going, okay, no, I'm not going this way. I'm not hearing that or my own self. No, Joel, I'm not doing that again. I know what it's like in there. I know being held under depression. I know what anxiety feels like. I'm not going back there. So what do I do? I hold up and I say, Lord, what has your grace done for me? Your grace says that you've given me a sound mind. I lay hold of that. I take the sound mind that you've given me. Oh, Lord, I thank you. I don't have a spirit of fear, but I got power, love, and I have a sound mind. Woo, thank you, Jesus. And what's the result? You start magnifying. You start exalting. And what happens? All these strings that are trying to pull you back, you just start severing them one at a time. Oh, next week it tries to come again. Bam, I just cut you off again. No, I have a soundness. He restores my soul. Click. So all of a sudden, you look back at where you were 20 years ago, even like three, three or four years ago, three months ago, and you go, man, how did I get here? Grace, 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 grace. And all you can do is go, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm a free man, I'm a free woman from all that trash, from all that garbage. Because when grace sets you free, you are truly free indeed. Amen. Let's all stand up together. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Come on, let's just thank Him just for a moment. We praise you, Lord Jesus. You are good, and your mercy endures forever. We are whole, we are sound. Come on, just start saying what grace has spoken over you. Grace says you're healed. Lord, my response is I believe it. Thank you. Grace says you're free, emphatically and wonderfully free. I say I believe it. I receive it. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, how we love you. Oh, we believe and therefore we speak. That's what the spirit of faith is. So you wonder, what is this faith? It's responding to what grace has done. Grace says you're healed. Faith says I'm healed. Grace says I'll set angels protecting over you and your children wherever they go. Faith says, thank you, Lord. Angels, you get going and you, you start riding around those cars. No devil can touch you. Why? Because grace owns me.
1: Anything we got to do? No, Okay. believe, this often comes up in our services, but I do believe if there was something that hit you today, please don't leave here and forget about it. Please take it to the Lord in your alone time and your devotional time this week because I believe there are some things we heard today that our hearts responded to, but the Lord wants to do a little bit of a deeper work with that. So if if your heart leapt at something today and you thought, yeah, that's it. That's my answer. I encourage you just take that to your alone time with the Lord this week. He's going to be doing something in us. I won't have it. That's good. Amen. Well, we want to thank you. It's Thanksgiving and we... And our pastoral team are thankful for you. So thank you, Impact Life Church, for being who you are and joining us today. We literally can see you throughout the week because everything's up and running. Freedom session, high school and young adults is this Wednesday night. Women's is Wednesday morning. Seniors is Thursday. And impacting Red Deer, we hope to see you all on Saturday morning so we can go out into our city. Have a blessed Thanksgiving and see you throughout the week.